You are listening to the audio ministry from All Nations Church, Cardiff. Good morning, everyone. God spoke to us this morning and reminded us that he is an at-the-right-time God. How many heard that? How many heard God say that? We believe that, don't we? And I'm really glad that God is an at-the-right-time God because he's given me a word for you that is going to practically outwork everything that the Lord has been speaking to us about already this morning. So let's turn in our Bibles to Scripture, and then as we do so, I'm going to remind you of some of the things the Lord has spoken to us and explain them a little bit. So Matthew chapter 4, please. It was great to hear those testimonies this morning about um, huge life things and very small life things, but to see that in everything, God wants us to succeed. God wants his people to succeed. The last verse of Psalm 35 says that God is the God who delights in the prosperity of his servant. How many of you are servants of God? We are his people. We live to serve him. He delights in your prosperity. Let's take up another offering quickly. Um, He delights in your prosperity. He delights in your success. And the Lord spoke to us very clearly and powerfully this morning that we were to settle in our minds that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. That he has a perfect plan for our lives. Let me put it this way. His plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. And do you know what? That really hurts sometimes, doesn't it? When we think we know best. But the Lord knows best. Amen? Amen? He is completely and utterly in control. So we don't need to struggle and we don't need to strive. He is the Alpha and the Omega. What does that mean? He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. Everything that God starts, he finishes. He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God has no unfinished projects in heaven. God is not a God of um, first and second and third and fourth chances. He's a God who chooses and completes. And the Lord spoke to us about remembering to fear him. He's an awesome God. Did you think that this morning? There were times this morning as we were singing to him, as we were worshipping him, as we were hearing him speak to us. Well, I was thinking, how awesome. Is this God? And yet he is the God who cares for us, who provides us with jobs and who heals us when we're sick and who meets every need. There's this amazing um, ability for God to have everything in his grasp, everything in his power, everything under control. And yet he is interested in the minutest detail of lives. Isn't that amazing about our God? Nothing is too small for him and nothing is too big for him. And it's no coincidence that in the time of worship this morning, the Lord spoke to us as individuals. Do you remember we had that moment where um, we were instructed to listen to the Lord uh, in our spirits and he was going to speak to us as individuals? Because the word that I've got for you today is a word for every one of us as individuals. So it applies to you whether you've been coming to this church for 30 years, for three weeks, or if this is your first time. It applies to you whether you know the Lord Jesus or not, because he's got an invitation for you today that can and will change your life. 
I'm going to talk to you today about being a follower of Jesus. And everything that the Lord has spoken to us this morning, if we follow him, if we follow him, we will see them outworked. This awesome, great and mighty God who says he's the Alpha and the Omega, who calls us to fear him, also has invited us to follow him. This God who is interested in the intricacies and details of even the lives of small children has invited us to follow him. But he's not only invited us to follow him. Sometimes we can hide in the crowd, can't we? He has invited you and me to follow him. You. You. Me. The God who created everything you can see and everything that you can't see. The Alpha and the Omega knows you. And has chosen you. And has invited you, as we're going to see today, to follow him. We'll read the word of God together, shall we? Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18 While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. What an amazing story. Here we see Jesus calling four men who became his disciples. And what does he say to them? Does he make them a big promise of international fame and success in Syria? Does he say, I'm on my way to a great mission field and we're going to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. We're going to heal the sick. We're going to see people who have have been possessed by demons released. And the fame of me is going to spread throughout all the the land. Did he say that? No. He said, follow me. And in fact, the the text here is a bit more polite than perhaps the, the Greek is. Because basically Jesus was saying, come. Come with me. Come with me and I will make you fishes of men. What an invitation. What do they do? Do they think about it? Do they hold a vote? Do they um, say, well, we'll get back to you in a couple of weeks. We've just got to see how this, this latest crop of fish goes. No, they follow him straight away. When you read this account in Luke chapter 5, we discover that um, Peter has just taken in a record crop of fish at the command of Jesus. And yet he leaves everything he's got to follow him. It was great this morning to hear all these testimonies of how God is causing you to succeed in your lives. Because God wants to take you from strength to strength and from success to success. And that's what he does with these men. You know, every person that Jesus calls to follow them, he calls them to himself. 
Every person that Jesus calls to follow him, he calls them to himself. When Peter is giving the uh, appeal for salvation in Acts chapter 2, he says that this promise is for you and for your household and all who are far off and all that the Lord will call to himself. When you chose to follow Jesus, when you became a Christian, when you gave your life to the Lord, you didn't join an institution. You didn't join a club. You didn't get a new hobby. This wasn't the latest thing you were trying on your journey of self-discovery. You were added to him. You followed him. Because he invited you to follow him. I want you to know this morning that this God that we've been singing about and talking about and having speaking to us, the Alpha, the Omega, the one who is great and awesome and mighty and King of Kings and Lord of Lords, has called you to follow him. He didn't become any less God to call you. He didn't make you a deal where he said, well, I, I can be king to you, but I, I, I can't be very powerful in your life. He called you in all his godness, in all his power and his glory and his might and his majesty, he called you to follow him. Every person that Jesus calls to follow him, he calls them with purpose. He says to these men, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus had his eye on them. In fact, he had his eye on them just like he's had his eye on you from before the beginning of the world. It says in Ephesians that God has chosen us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. But Jesus knew these guys. I mean, James and John were his cousins. He had his eye on them for a long time. And he had a plan and a purpose for them. He wasn't just wanting to get a gang together because he'd be lonely on the road. He hasn't called you just to make up the numbers. He has a plan and a purpose for you. He has a destiny and a calling for you. Not just the special ones. Not just the more prominent ones. You. He has a plan for you. He had a plan for these men. And do you know what? He fulfilled it because they did become fishers of men. So every person that Jesus calls to follow him, he calls them to himself. He calls them with purpose. And every person Jesus calls to follow him has to respond. We'll come back to this later on, but Jesus was on the move. He couldn't afford to take a year and a half off to wait for these guys to make a decision. So immediately they followed him. We like to think sometimes that we chose Jesus, don't we? We can tell the story of how we came to know him. And rightfully so, the story is a lot about our experience and how we came to make the decision to follow Christ. And yet it was an invitation from him that caused us to follow him. Now when Jesus was inviting them to follow him, was it some kind of band they were forming, some kind of gang? Was he going to be millions of miles off and they would be keeping up with him, trying to carry as much luggage as they could? No. When Jesus invited them to follow him, he was inviting them to be his companion. That's what the word means there, follow. It means a companion. It means someone who's going in the same way. I want you to know this morning that God has called you and called me to follow him, but not to follow him from from a distance. After all, he lives in you by the Holy Spirit. He is close to you as you follow him. He's not a million miles away. He's called you to be his companion. In fact, Paul, the apostle in the New Testament, says that God had called him to be a co-worker with God. 
Isn't that amazing? You and I, we, he's one of our co-workers. We're one of his co-workers. So what I want to do this morning, very simply, is I want to give you five ways that you can be a good follower of Jesus. Very simple, very easy. We can all do them and we can all put them into practice today and the rest of this week. So the first thing I want to say to you today is accept the fact that God has chosen you. Let me give you a scripture. Turn with me to John chapter 15. I really was blessed by what God was saying to us this morning. But do you know it will bear no fruit in my life whatsoever if I don't accept it. And don't believe it. But I believe it. I believe what God said to us this morning. And I'm choosing in my life to accept the fact that God has chosen me. He's chosen me to follow him. And for a long time I struggled with that. I loved God. I wanted to serve him. I wanted to do great things for him in my life. But I was behaving as if I had chosen him. And I was constantly, without realizing it, kind of making deals with God to let him use me. It was always, Lord, use me. I'll do anything. And I was so frightened of making a mistake that if, if I made one tiny mistake, I blew it with him. And the Lord, over a period of time, brought me to the end of myself and he had to teach me a valuable lesson, which we find in John chapter 15 and verse 16. Verse 16 of John 15 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. It has been a wonderful release in my life to know that God has chosen me. And he's chosen me to go and bear fruit and that my fruit would remain. I don't have to do deals with God anymore. I don't have to twist his arm to use me or or, or to beg and plead for him to answer my prayers. I know he's chosen me. And I'm learning in my life that the work that God um, is giving me to do in my life began a long time before I was born. And all I'm doing is working with him. I'm not the initiator. He is. And as I do whatever he wants and go wherever he goes and follow him as he requires me to, do you know what I do? I can't, but it's amazing. I bear fruit just like the word says. I want you to know today God has chosen you to follow him. Just accept it. Be amazed at the scandal of his grace. Why us? Why me? Because. Why me? Because. (laughs) He loves us. He's chosen us. Isn't that great? Tomorrow morning when you're going to school, you're going to work, you're studying, whatever you're doing, you can think, Lord, I just want to thank you that you've chosen me. You've placed me here to be fruitful in your service. After all, he's working all things together for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. Amen? Second thing I want to say to you is, leave behind anything that hinders you from following Jesus. Leave behind anything that hinders you from following Jesus. For Peter and Andrew and for James and John, they had to leave behind their nets and their boats. And James and John had to leave behind their father. It says that they left their nets that James and John left the boats and their father and they followed Jesus. Jesus had called these men to be fishers of men. For them, being natural fishermen would have hindered them following Jesus. Doesn't mean we all have to give up our jobs tomorrow. But for them, being natural fishermen would have hindered them in serving Jesus. As you follow Jesus, you will learn more and more why he has called you to follow him. And that will produce a focus in you that may cause you to leave behind things that once seemed legitimate. 
You see, following Jesus simply means he is the first priority in your life. Let's look at something Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10. If it's hindering me from following Jesus, I don't want it in my life. And that's, that's a decision I've made in my life. So at times I've realized that certain friendships are hindering me from following Jesus, so I put them to one side. Certain things on the television, certain music I listen to wasn't helping me follow Jesus, put it to one side. Certain habits and behaviors I had, had to lay them aside for certain periods of time just because they were hindering me from following Jesus. I don't want anything in my life to hinder me from following Jesus. Jesus puts it this way to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10. We'll read verse 37. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loves, loses his life for my sake will find it. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying that natural loyalties can't go before spiritual priorities. If I love my father and mother more than I love Jesus, I'm not worthy of him. Do you know the best way I honor my father and mother, the best way I love them, is by loving Jesus first. Best way I love my wife and my children, and I really do love them, is by loving Jesus first and most of all. It's very simple. As you follow Jesus, your habits may change. How you use your money, how you use your time, it's okay. I remember when I first was dating my wife, Saskia, we've been married for seven years now. Hallelujah! Nearly seven years, nearly seven years. September's our anniversary. I, got, I remember that. Good. Good. And um, before we were uh, dating, I was a student. And at the time in Cardiff, there was a price war across all the cinemas in the city of Cardiff. So you could go to any cinema in Cardiff and pay three pounds and see a film. So the number one thing I did with my spare time was I'd go to the cinema because it cost me three pounds. I would be there at least once a week, if not more. I mean, three, how much does it cost to go to the cinema now? Eight pounds? So three pounds. I was paying three pounds to see any film I wanted. Now, as soon as I started going out with Saskia, I've discovered that I wanted to spend more time with her than in the cinema. So I didn't go to the cinema so much. And then when we got engaged, having weddings to plan and houses to buy and things like that, couldn't go to the cinema as much. But I didn't mind. And now we are married and we have two small children. We very rarely go to the cinema. But it's okay. I'm not complaining. I don't feel sorry for myself. Got to go to the cinema with my friend the other week. I had a fantastic time. But you know, it's, it's not so important now. It's, it's not so important. I don't mind. If I don't get to see the latest release on the big screen, it's okay. I have a wife and children that I love and a home that I can enjoy. It's okay. It'll be like that for you in life sometimes. Something that's legitimate, a hobby, an interest, a passion. And you'll enjoy it and it'll be fine. And then suddenly you realize, I need to put this aside because it's preventing me from following Jesus. You know when that comes, just do it. You'll never miss out by putting Jesus first. So the next thing I want to say to you is determine that you will no longer live for yourself. 
determined that you will no longer live for yourself. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16. It's a similar passage to the one we've just read. My wife and I have um, met some people recently who, much to our amazement and surprise, have been telling us how big a decision it is to become a Christian. They're not Christians. And they've been explaining to us how big a decision it is. I was out in um, the student area of Cardiff a couple of weeks ago and we were visiting some houses. We were knocking on the doors, talking to people about the Lord, giving them information. And um, we visited a house that we'd been to a couple of times before. We met a man on the doorstep who had read one of the gospel tracts that we produced and given to one of his housemates. I said to him, did it make you think? Yes, he said. And he stopped and said, it's a big decision, isn't it, becoming a Christian? Really need to think about it. I was like, yes, you do. (laughs) And then my wife had some friends of hers in the home a couple of weeks ago, and they'd asked her to explain more about becoming a Christian. And they said to her, it's an awfully big decision, this becoming a Christian, isn't it? Absolutely. Do you know why? For both of these people, they were understanding that if they become Christian, they can no longer live for themselves. They were what the Bible calls counting the cost. And in our walk with God, in our relationship with Jesus, he is the leader and we are the followers. He is the Lord and the master and we are the servants. It's our privilege to follow and serve such a wonderful, gracious, generous Lord who loves us, who's for us, who's intimate with us. But make no mistake, he is always going to be in charge. There's never going to get to be a point where you're leading him. That's right. Amen. Let me read you Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Jesus puts it this way to his disciples in John chapter 12. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am there, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Here's the principle. If you lose your life, you find it. Yeah? You have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. What does that mean? Well, the cross means death. If you saw a man carrying a cross, you knew he wasn't coming back. Nobody came back from the cross. You know, even Jesus didn't come back from the cross. He rose from the grave. It's a big difference. And Paul says that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me and the life I live In the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says this as well, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How amazing is that? 
So to take up your cross, to deny yourself, means death to your own way of life. That's what it means. To deny yourself, to disregard yourself. It's no longer about me. It's no longer about me. My life is no longer my own. For I have died and my life is hidden with Christ in God. So decide that you won't live for yourself anymore. The next thing then is this. Decide that whatever he gives you will be used for his glory. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10. I don't want you to go away thinking this morning that following Jesus is merely a harder and harder mission to undertake until you're left with nothing. Jesus promised us in Matthew chapter 6 that if we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these things, food, clothing, shelter, so on, will be added to us. But the difference is that when you're seeking first the kingdom and the Lord gives you something, you know because you're seeking first the kingdom that you're going to use it for his kingdom. And in Matthew chapter 10, we, uh, Mark chapter 10, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10, we meet a man, a very famous man now in, in, in Bible stories, who wants to follow Jesus. We call him the rich young ruler. And he says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And the, the Lord tells him, and, but the Lord says to him, you, you lack one thing. Jesus looks at him, the Bible says, and loved him. He says, you lack one thing. Go and sell everything that you have and follow me. And for the young man, that was too much couldn't do it he went away sad and it causes the disciples to ask Jesus a question and in verse 28 of Mark 10 Jesus uh, Peter began to say to him see we have left everything and followed you it's pretty good isn't it hey look at me I've left everything and followed Jesus and Jesus says this truly I say to you there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Do you know there is great benefits and blessings in following Jesus? We can't deny that that's what the word says. We cannot deny the word says that. Yes, there will be challenges. Yes, there will be persecutions. Yes, there will be difficulties. But if anyone has given up things for my sake, he will receive more in this life. But the difference is, because you are no longer living for yourself, because you've taken up your cross and you're following Jesus, all these things that he gives you are no longer just for you. Rather, they're for you to use for his glory. It's a wonderful thing to have a talent that God has given you that you can use for his glory. That was a great thing about hearing the testimonies this morning, of how God is blessing people, causing people to succeed. We thank God that Ben, our brother, has received a job, and we know that God is going to use him in his job for God's glory. So decide that whatever God has given you, a home, a family, a particular um, ability, use it for his glory. Is your home open for the gospel? Or is, is, is the home where you retreat and have nothing to do with anyone? Is your home open to be hospitable to people uh, in the church? Or is it closed and you only talk to people on a Sunday morning? Whatever you have, use it for his glory. Final thing then is very simply this. In following Jesus, 
Focus on following Jesus. Let's look at John chapter 21. I know these are all simple things, but one of the things the Lord has repeatedly told us this year is that if we do the simple things well, we'll do well. And we meet again in John 21, our friend Peter. And Peter has decided that he's going to go fishing. Now, of course, Jesus had called him to be a fisher of men. So why was Peter going fishing again for natural fish? But the Lord shows his grace and his kindness to Peter. They're sitting having breakfast together. He says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, I love you. I love you more than these. And the Lord gives him his commission again. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs. But then Peter, um, how should we put it nicely? He sticks his nose in a bit. Jesus has said to him in verse, end of verse 19, he said to Peter, follow me. And in verse 20 then of John 21, we read this. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who had been reclining at table close to him. And had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? This is John the Apostle. We've read about him in Matthew 4. And this is the author of the gospel. Verse 21 then. When Peter saw John, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. In following Jesus, learn to mind your own business. By the way, that is a scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 11. Learn to mind your own business. The rest of it says, working hard with your hands, you have something to share with those in need. Learn to mind your own business. It's been a great lesson in my life for me to learn to mind my own business. What do I mean by that? Peter was trying to make an excuse for what God was calling him to do by sticking his nose in John's business. You don't need to do that. If God has told you to do something, don't use someone else not doing it as an excuse not to do it. Just follow him. Time's passed, I've got myself worked up, I've wasted time, I've wasted hours worrying about what other people are doing or not doing, and the Lord has whispered into my spirit, you follow me. (laughs) Because do you know what my... My big nose, my nosiness, my interest in what other people are doing were preventing me from doing what God wanted me to do. Now, there's a whole other sermons we can talk about caring for one another, loving one another, watching out for one another. That's not, that's not putting that away. But what I'm saying today is this. Learn to mind your own business and follow Jesus. Just follow him. The best way you can love and care for me is by following Jesus. The best way I can love and care for you is by first and foremost following Jesus. Not everything that happens, even in this church, is my business. I had to learn in my family when I was growing up, not everything that happened in my family was my business. I have a younger sister, some things were just to do with her and my parents, none of my business. Things things between my my mum and dad, discussions they had, weren't any of my business or my sister's. It wasn't my business. It's a great liberty in life when you don't have to bother yourself with things that aren't your business. (laughs) Just follow him. After all, he has chosen you with a particular call. And if you stick to it and do what he says, you'll only ever bear fruit. So next time you're thinking, oh, I just wonder about... The words will come to you. You follow me. 
Recently, my wife and I were on a short holiday and we took the time on our way home to visit one of our family members and they have a very large garden. And I took the opportunity to play in the garden with my son and I'm trying to teach him um, how to play with a ball at the moment. So teaching him how to throw, he's got a very good throw. So he's either going to play cricket for England or play in the second, maybe, in the, maybe he's a hooker for Wales. The British Lions need him, as we saw yesterday. He's a really good throw, I'm really, really impressed with him. Um, he can't catch so well yet, but what I'm trying to teach him to do is that when he throws the ball or when I throw the ball, that then you go and get it. You don't just leave it in, in, in grandma's garden, in, in, in the flowers, you go and get it. So he and I were having a, a, quite a long discussion about this. It went like this. Should we go and get the ball? Yeah. Okay, let's go and get the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and this would go on for some time. Let's go and get the ball. Yeah. And um, realizing that I wasn't being a very good father or leader, I eventually went, okay, I'll go and get it. So off I went. And then he started to follow me. So I thought, oh, I've, oh, I think I've worked it out. So the next time, threw the ball. I threw better than that, by the way. But <laughs> For the benefit of the tape, no. Um, I said, let's go and get the ball. Yeah. Off we went. And he followed me. I've cracked it. I have perfected the art now of teaching my son to play sports. I can retire. I've done it. I've worked it out. But for him, you see, he was waiting for me to lead him. After all, I was saying, follow me. But then I wasn't doing anything. That's a pretty bad leader, isn't it? So I worked it out. We got it sorted. Ready? Let's go. And every time then when we threw the ball, he'd run off and get it with me. You know, the Lord is always moving. He's on a mission. He has a plan and a purpose. When he invites you and I to follow him, he is not waiting around for a long time for us to make a decision. This is the right message for today because God spoke to us this morning that he is a just the right time God. And so I know for people here this morning, you have to make decisions today about whether or not you're going to follow him. For some of you, that means you need to give your life to the Lord Jesus for the first time. For others of you, you have um, maybe been doing what we call procrastinating. Maybe you've been putting something off that the Lord has told you to do or told you to put away or told you to give to him. Today is the day to choose afresh to follow him. You see, when Jesus invited the fishermen to follow him, he didn't wait. But they immediately, they followed him. I like that. I want to be an immediately kind of guy. So today, as you've heard this word, choose to respond like they did immediately. If you don't know Jesus, but you've heard the invitation to follow him, you can start today, and we want to help you. If you're already following him, and something I've said has caught your attention or challenged you, then today, immediately, you can make whatever changes need to be made. You see, when Jesus called those men to follow him, they didn't know what was around the corner, but he did. It was a mission of great adventure and excitement. The preaching of the gospel of the kingdom, the healing of the sick, the deliverance of demons, a vast advance across their world. See, when God calls you to follow him, when Jesus invites you to follow him, he has a life of adventure and excitement that we could never have imagined. And that's the invitation this morning. Will you follow him? Will you follow him?
Amen. Thank you. You've been listening to a message from All Nations Church Cardiff. To download other messages, subscribe to our podcast, or find out more about us, log on to www.allnationschurch.org.uk. Thank you.